0: VHS Files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the VHS Files Podcast, and it's still Christmas time, so we're talking Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. We're going way back in time on this one, 1974, guys. 1974's Black Christmas, directed by Bob Clark, and I'm here with Jason and Eric as usual. Hey, everybody, hello. I'm I'm Jason. <laughs> I'm, I'm I rock. But when I say Bob Clark directed this, one thing I learned, didn't know this going into it, the oh. same Bob Clark directed A Christmas Story.
1: <laughs> Fragile. It must be Italian. Yes, I <laughs> learned that after the fact as well, and that blew me away. This man is responsible for two of the most historically notable Christmas films.
0: It's shocking to know that watching this movie and then knowing that he does a Christmas story after this. Uh, mm-hmm. And also two very well-known teenage sex comedies in Porky's, Porky's 2.
2: Dude, I loved Porky's when I was a kid. Of course, you know, you get to that age, you got to watch Porky's.
0: I don't even think I've seen the sequels to Porky's. I think I've only seen the first one. He's also done Rhinestone with Sylvester Stallone and, and Dolly, Dolly Parton, which yeah. is a movie that I watched all the time as a kid because I loved Stallone.
2: But why are you?
0: And uh, loose cannons and then the the five star ultra recommend baby geniuses is
2: also his brain Oh <laughs> yeah. Really? Yes. Wow. Wow. Now don't don't watch it. Please don't.
0: <laughs> I've actually never seen baby geniuses,
1: so No, I, I'm not and I won't, and don't worry. <laughs> Not interested.
0: I also <laughs> learned uh, in doing some research about Bob Clark and finding out what he's directed and whatnot. He was also tragically killed in a car accident. He and his son both died by, uh, got hit by a drunk driver in drunk.
2: 2007. Jeez. So If you're it, drinking,
1: people don't drive. That's why. You know, since we're like talking about sad things, it, also Margot Kidder. Right. Tragically took her own life in what, 2017, something like that.
2: Lois Lane herself. Easy, miss. I've got you. You, you've got me. Who's got you? I mean, that's what I knew her from. I mean, I, I, I can't remember her being in this movie, but I mean, I definitely remember you know Lois Lane from all the Superman movies, and yeah. she was in Amityville Horror, which I definitely remember from that. But I didn't know she, she she was in this movie for some reason. I just didn't remember her.
1: Yeah. Well, what what are our uh, our origins of seeing this film, Jason? Do you see this as a as a youngin?
2: I can't remember. That's what we were talking about before we started. I literally started watching this movie and I have like no recollection of seeing this movie, but I swear that I have. And it. I know they made two remakes and I definitely remember seeing, cause there's a couple of shots in this movie that I'm like, I remember this, but do I remember this from a movie or was it like a top horror movie countdown and they showed the scenes? Yeah.
1: Right. I, I think there's a couple iconic shots in this movie. We'll get to it.
2: But uh, watching this, it's like, I remember seeing it, the, the box in the vhs store as a kid definitely many times but it being a christmas movie it was just like eh, you know it's christmas you know i mean solid night daily night which we've talked about i mean that had the cool box art with the you know the freaking axe santa going down the chimney that piqued my interest a little more this was just a was it a girl in a rocking chair
1: with a bag over her head
2: yeah but you're kind of like
1: I agree. It's not as iconic as the Santa with an ax out of Yeah, It's definitely not
0: (laughs) as striking as that for
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're a
0: kid,
2: you want that kind of stuff. You want bloody
0: axes. But honestly, with that being on the box art for this and that being throughout the movie, they go back to her
1: in that rocking chair. I think it's a it's a very iconic image for this movie. I think it is more so in retrospect after seeing the film. when And you look at that. Box art, poster art, whatever you go. Yeah, that's but without seeing the film, it might not quite resonate. But what about you, Eric? When did you see this for the first time? I saw this as usual. No one's surprised that I saw this as an adult for the first time. I'd only seen this (laughs) (laughs) possibly. (laughs) Uh, I'd only seen this once before this watch. Um, I think that I'll just say I enjoyed it much more this time. And my first watch, I think it dragged a little. I think it's a little longer than it needs to be. Yeah. uh, But I feel that less on the second watch. I I don't know if I was just impatient the first time around or what, but uh, this watch, I respect this film much more. I really enjoyed it a lot more. I completely agree with you. Um, I watched it twice.
0: It's, it's almost, I don't want to say it's forgotten because it is talked about in all the top list and, and influential movies and all that stuff. And we're going to talk about how this movie influenced one movie in particular that Jason always <laughs> likes to give people shit <laughs> <Yeah>. about.
2: <laughs> totally.
0: <laughs> Before we get into talking about it, I mean, this had a budget of $620,000, ended up doing $4.1 million at the box office, so it was a hit at the time. That's, that's a lot of money for 1974. And it's funny that we watched Silent Night, Deadly Night last <laughs> week. Uh, originally, this was supposed to be called Silent Night, Evil Night. And the the script was actually called Save Me. They weren't really gunning for the Christmas holiday. They actually based the story around some murders that happened around the holidays.
2: A very interesting and little-known fact about Black Christmas was that its original title was called Stop Me. That made me stop and think. Would we have had all these holiday-related horror movies, such as Halloween, Friday the 13th, My Bloody Valentine? Would it have been called My Bloody Valentine, or would it have been... Its original title, The Secret.
0: But they weren't gonna center it around Christmas originally.
1: And of well, course my understanding is this is the first holiday themed horror film. Is that is that right? I, it, I that yeah. I believe that's what I read. And
0: and it's funny, like same thing with John Carpenter's Halloween that was originally not really going to be a Halloween thing, or it was going to be set at Halloween, but not really revolve around the holiday. Bob Clark, who again, we've just mentioned that he's famous for a Christmas story, which is this wholesome story at Christmas time for the kids, the family, Uh, I don't particularly like the movie very much, but I understand why people do.
2: Uh, Josh hates the Christmas (laughs) story. I'm the same way. It always bothered me. I
1: don't know why. I never, even as a kid, I was like, I don't get this movie. What did
0: you say? It's because they play the fucking thing for 24 hours straight every year. And my cousin would not let us change the channel.
1: What's your cousin's name? I need a name. Buster is his name buster ruined this this movie for you, <laughs> that movie thanks buster I, it's not a Christmas movie that
0: resonates with me. It never has been. It never will be. It
2: looks like a pink nightmare.
0: I'm not saying I wouldn't talk about it for this show because then I can really just spout my detest. for this Rip into show. it. Yeah, exactly. So if the listeners and viewers would like to ever hear us talk about a Christmas story, let us know in the comments below. We'll make it happen. Let's go back to 1974. We were not alive then, so I want to hear what was going on at that
2: Wait, time. wait. I wasn't alive yet. Exactly.
0: Oh, oh my yes. God.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Not, not, it's rare that we do a movie that Jason wasn't alive for.
1: We're sending you back in time. <gasps> well, heavy. Uh, well, Josh, I got a new background here that will only be here for this episode, and then it'll change. So enjoy it while you can. Uh, in 1974... Uh, you'd pull up your bell bottoms and wrap yourself in the warm embrace of your comically large fur coat. You'd hop in your Ford Pinto and turn that radio dial to hits like Killer Queen by Queen and uh, Jolene by Dolly Parton. Ooh, Maybe yeah. hit the theater for classic films like Chinatown, Benji, or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Hit this link for our Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode right here. Uh, make some Jerry. Uh, Jerry-, Jerry Jerky. Jerry Jerry Jerky, jerky. there you go. Some Pam, help me out. Some Pam, Pam chops, Pam Pam chops, Pam (laughs) chops. (laughs) Hey, and Franklin Franks, (laughs) Franklin Franks. Uh, The national highway speed limit was set to 55 miles per hour in 1974. Yeah, it actually had nothing to do with safety. It uh, It was intended to optimize fuel fuel consumption for from after the 1973 oil crisis um hence the Ford Pinto uh <laughs> you, we're dealing with some price uh, gas price problems these days too right fellas oh, f- um honestly i can't understand why gas prices are higher uh it still tastes the same to me <laughs> pause for laughter uh you're supposed to huff it not drink it yes shit that's why you're doing uh, it all wrong so here. Uh the first UPC scanner was installed in the supermarket in 1974. Um the first product uh with a barcode. Any guesses?
0: I wonder if it will yeah. scan me. Well it's a barcode! Scan
1: the some bitch. <laughs> uh the, the the first uh product with a with a barcode, it was a it was a pack of Wrigley's gum. Isn't that fun? Oh uh you guys you guys did you guys know the Norwegian army uh navy, I'm sorry, was uh they have giant barcodes on the sides of their ships. Do you guys know this? Uh, it's apparently so they can scandinavian.
2: <laughs> scandinavian.
1: Uh, Richard Nixon resigned as president due to the Watergate scandal in 1974. Um, do you guys know why Richard Nixon refused to prepare his own food? Because he's a dick? No, it's because he's not a cook. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a cook. I'm not a cook. He's not a cook. <laughs> um, <laughs> and finally, Nobody wants to be a dry baby, uh, right, guys? Hit it, Josh. Oop. Nobody wants to be a dry baby.
2: Oh, I'm such oh. a dry baby. Look at my dry <laughs> my da- skin.
1: But I'm bathing this leg with Calgon bath oil beans. Calgon, take of- me away. Take me away. <laughs> this yes, is the birth of clean softness.
2: clean softness is born on my skin. Look, this leg, dry skin. But here, Calgon's clean softness, without greasiness, don't be dry, baby. Enjoy. Don't be a dry baby. The birth of, the birth clean, of soft- clean
1: softness. But uh, that's why I picked that one because it's super weird.
2: All right. <laughs> it, it, it looked to me like she needed to sh- get a new razor too because I swear she has some hair on those legs too. You
1: would like that though, Mr. Mister Werewolf.
2: Yes, hair on her legs. You,
1: you yeah. like the hairy gals. Uh, Josh, <laughs> were there any
2: pubes in that commercial? Jesus oh. Christ. <laughs> and it's the 70s. Look at
1: him trying to get, get the attention off himself for getting excited about the hairy legs. Yeah, anyway, 1974, the end.
0: Well, um, let's talk about Black Christmas. All right. Uh, one of these movies that we're not super familiar with. And this is you know quite literally some of our first or second watch on this thing. Uh, apparently, though, this was a big movie in Elvis's house.
1: Elvis Presley used to watch it every Christmas. And the Presley family to this day still watch it. Priscilla and Lisa Marie watch it every year. Like-
0: mm. Wow. So this was a big uh, big movie for them at that time. And it was apparently a big movie for all the filmmakers that came after this as well. <laughs> so let's open this thing up. I mean, we open with, you know, a nice still shot of this nice uh, sorority house. Pi Kappa Sig, I believe, is the sorority Yep. And
2: um we get our title card reveal, Black Christmas. And right, well, I will say something about the title card. Yeah, the six hundred and what thousand dollar budget, about ten dollars went to the title card. I mean, it's like it's like House Black Christmas. Done. <laughs> that was a pretty common title
0: reveal in the in the early 70s and whatnot, though, I believe. Yeah. Uh, especially with like the, the copyright stuff and everything at the bottom oh, yeah. of it. You definitely don't you saw that. A lot back then. You don't see oh, that yeah. at all anymore. Yeah, you don't get the copyright thing until the end of the movie. Jason likes to bring up his favorite movie of all time, Halloween. And he also likes to call people out when they rip that movie off or take things from it. <laughs> well, Jason, let's start talking about this movie where Halloween <laughs> definitely <laughs> borrowed some shit from it. Dude, I Very watched- openly.
2: Yeah, dude, when I was watching this open, like I said, I don't remember this movie, and I'm kind of wondering, did I shut it out because I will not let the <laughs> god filmmaker John Carpenter be ruined in any way, and maybe I just put it in the back of my mind, like, no, this did not happen four years prior to him making the wonderful piece of gold movie as it is Halloween. But, uh, yeah, th- that whole opening thing of somebody snooping around outside, mm-hmm. you you hear <gasps> You hear him breathing. You got the POV, right? That's the big thing. That's the thing we start the
0: movie with is this POV of someone outside of the house snooping on these sorority girls. Yeah,
2: you don't get the flash of somebody coming through a door or. It's, I mean, it's you a, get-
1: yeah, it's enough. It's a I think it's enough as a first watch that you can maybe wonder about some of the red herrings that come forth, particularly Peter. You can go, oh, maybe that is Peter. You know, like it's, it's a white guy. That's all you pretty much know, right? It's a yep. white guy. Yep. Uh, other than that, you can't quite tell. You get a look of his eye at his eye here, here and there. His hair, his silhouette. That's it. Guys, first of all, can we just talk about trellises in movies?
2: Oh, God, yes.
1: Everybody's climbing a trellis. Yeah. Putting a trellis on your house is basically like putting a ladder on the outside of your house that goes to the second story.
0: It's like putting a sign on your house that says, come on, break in.
1: Yeah, yeah, break in, break out, you know, sneak out, sneak in, whatever you want. Trellis on the side of the house is basically a ladder that allows you to climb to the second floor safely and and uh discreetly. Come on, dude. Yeah. I, there's a reason we don't have trellises these days, I think, and it's and it's movies. I mean, yes, people have trellises, but I'm just saying, <laughs> if I had a second story that went to my daughter's room, I wouldn't put a trellis that went right no. up to it. You know what I'm saying? Hell or, no! Yeah, you all the way up smokes. to the third
0: floor attic on this one. I mean, yeah. Jesus, third
1: floor attic of 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 a yeah of a sorority house full of girls with an unlocked window at the top. Give me a break! You're asking well, for it.
2: Oh well, yeah, and uh, that's what, like Josh is bringing. I mean, this is very Halloween. Like you, you definitely think Deborah Hill and John Carpenter, even the story, you've got to think about even some of the story of this entire film has a lot of Halloween stuff in well, it. Well,
1: Carpenter has been open about this, right? Oh, yeah. he's uh, yeah, he's, he's been, been very open. clear that oh, he loves yeah. this movie and it influenced.
2: Yeah. I mean, Halloween, he's not so. hiding the fact he says, No, I don't, I've never seen it. You know, no, no. He openly admits it. And I'm pretty sure him and Deborah Hill watched this yeah. movie, probably took some pointers. And like, hey, let's just do it better, but we'll make our killer iconic, you know, and that's really about how you get it from. Bob Clark had a few
0: choice things to say about uh, Halloween in the interview in the behind the scenes of this. Where he's Really? Like, yeah. I was going to direct a film that John wrote a
2: couple of years after Black Christmas. He was a big fan of Black Christmas. He was just beginning his career. And John had asked me whether he remembers or not. I think he does. He may not. He asked me if I was ever going to do a sequel. And I said, no, his film was the last horror film I was going to do. But if I did do a sequel, he said, what would you do? And I said, well, what I thought I'd do is I would make it the following fall, somehow in the interim, the killer had been caught. He'd been institutionalized. And I would have him escape. Nobody knows it at first. And he starts stalking them again at the Black Christmas sorority house. And I was going to call it Halloween. Now when you think of what John Carpenter did, what is it? Oh, maybe the title of Halloween he should have given me a little bit of no, but I didn't own that either. You even has have a hockey
1: mask in this movie. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you even get the shot, uh, it's a uh, I can't remember if it's here or later in the movie, of the silhouette of the camera over the shoulder and you see this much. I mean, there's a there's a shot like that in Halloween part one where Michael's standing outside. Yeah and you can see the side of his face. Man, there is definitely some shots, not just homage. I mean, like, man, John Carpenter was writing some pretty close notes.
0: And we've talked at length about Halloween and how we think Halloween may have been better off if it was not a franchise. They didn't start doing all of these sequels to Halloween. Just the fact that the movie could end with him still being out there and we never know any more of that story is just like... Puts it in your head, especially if you're a kid watching a movie like that. Like, Michael Myers is out there in the world walking around somewhere. We never got a satisfying end to that story. We just know Michael is still out there. I think that is one of the scariest things you could have ever done, and I really wish I lived in a world where that was the case. This fucking movie does that. Yeah, they, they, they're they like, I'm not going to make a part two. We've talked about how, like, the, the best things about Halloween are that you don't know why Michael does what he does. The yeah. kid just snaps.
1: Now, hold on. You do have Black Christmas, the night Billy came home in 2016.
2: Well, you know, I don't remember that. I know that they got a uh, the sequel remakes. based in
1: a world of reality where the sorority of Phi Kappa Sigma is being stalked and preyed on by an unknown killer. It's a... Uh, relatively unknown movie, but I'm just saying it, do, it does exist. You could sort of, like we often like to m- make connections between movies, you could say that Billy gets uh, captured, goes back to the mental institution, <laughs> escapes, wears a white mask uh, for Halloween, <laughs> is and there's Billy your Halloween actually
0: Michael Myers? Billy is Michael.
1: <laughs> Billy, is Michael. <laughs> Billy is Michael. Pinehorn is
2: Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn.
1: We we need to lay it out. We need to lay it out clearly for, for Halloween, right? You've got an escaped mental patient, seemingly. It's not quite explained in the film, but it seems like this guy clearly doesn't live on his own. He's suddenly here. He probably escaped from somewhere. He's nuts. He has POV. <laughs> he has POV like
0: it's a fucking venereal disease or something. <laughs> got POV STDs.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do the POV ice bucket challenge later, but he's, yeah, he's, he, 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 we see his view from POV. He's, he, he comes, he's, he, he kills young ladies on a holiday, um, you know, stalks them that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot there's he, he comes, well, this is the other thing we, and you have to speculate, but is he coming home? Why did he come here? Was this maybe his home at some point?
2: They uh do that in the remakes. In the remakes. Do they expand the, uh, on that? The sorority house was his home. Billy didn't break in. Billy lived here.
1: Okay. Well, we can't I mean, we can't talk about the remakes in this movie, but yeah, like you say, you you could suggest he comes in the attic. There's all this stuff in the attic. Maybe that's stuff from when yeah, he used to Like, live what the fuck is all the shit in this attic? They've got a, a rocking There's like a horse hobby horse.
0: And a, a bird, <laughs> like a dead bird in a cage up there. Like,
2: <laughs> I like the big freaking shipping hook.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, who
2: has one of those? It, that's to just, uh, like, lift the up bales like, of
1: hay into the fucking attic yeah, or something? Why you know, is like, that there?
2: That's something you see in a barn. Like in, <laughs> yeah, right in 13 saying. part <laughs> yeah. four or three, when you know, like that. And they're picking up bells. Like, hey, not. Uh, yeah. I was like, that's kind of convenient when we get to that. I, I, that's one of the, the things I thought was kind of like, we need something up here to kill somebody with. Let's just put this in here.
0: And we get introduced to pretty much all of our main characters right here in this opening scene of the, him looking through the house. The sorority sisters are talking and partying and having a good time. Uh, you get introduced to uh, Barb, who's portrayed by Margot Kidder.
2: And- Margot, can I say something about that real quick? Yeah. Margot Kidder. All right. I've had, I've had a problem with her in the Superman movies because to me, I'm not saying anything. To me, she was very unattractive in all the Superman movies. You're like, <laughs> you got Clark Kent, and then you got her that looks like she's about 15 years older than Clark Kent, and he's he thinks she's hot. All right. Uh. Now, this movie was made in 1974 and then 1978 it looks like she smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. She probably did. And I mean, I'm not being down on because I know what happened to her later. Maybe she had some, but she did not age well in four years. I thought she was a lot older in 1978 when we got the first Superman movie. And then seeing her in this, I was like, Man, she's pretty cute, dude. She's hot. as like, what happened in four she's years? She's very attractive in this and in
0: Amityville Horror. Amityville, I thought she yeah. was pretty attractive in that as well. well.
1: I I don't recall thinking that she didn't look good in the Superman films, but I um, just
2: I thought she looked way older. Like she was too old. But yeah, here uh, she's very attractive. I mean, at twenty six, she pulls off being a uh, probably like a twenty or twenty one year old college. student.
1: Well, this guys, the guy with the afro. How, how old could this guy <laughs> oh, be? Oh, dude.
2: Dude, is he that uh, critic guy from the 70s that was on NBC?
1: See, the three headed giant flying lizard <laughs> and dragon. <laughs> what was that guy's name
2: with the hair, the glasses, and the big I what
0: forget. Was his name? I know
2: exactly who you're talking about. Yep. I can't because, remember his name. Oh, God. He was always on TV when I was a kid. But when I saw this movie, I was like, that's the is that Gene him? You're talking yeah, about that's Gene Shallot. Yes. Gene yeah. Shalit.
1: This movie is filled with wonders for every family. For kitties and for daddies and of course for mummies. Sorry about that. Yeah, I think it was Gene Shalit in his <laughs> in his late fifties as playing this college student.
2: Isn't he the same guy that's in the Santa suit later? Ho ho ho! Shit! Being incredibly inappropriate.
1: Santa, please. Far worse than Billy from Silent Night, Deadly Night. I don't bring toys to naughty children. I punish them. De- Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> now we're making
2: connections Fellas Yes,
1: <laughs> yes indeed
2: Yeah but we meet you know, what? Jess, Barb, uh, uh, Phil, Phil, Phil. We meet all them And we get this strange phone call of a guy <laughs> uh, Cunt, cunt, I want to taste your cunt I'm like, what the fuck am I? Dude, listening? dude, dude,
1: dude! This shit is effective. Like, yeah. oh. we have this nice party going on, and it's like a like a nice Christmas party. It's very warm. I love this house. Um, I love the decorations, the vibe. Yeah, and then yeah, you get this call, and it is so disturbing and you, just you like piggy cunt.
2: Uh, let me yeah. lick it. Let me lick it.
1: Oh, it's, it's like just oh, so it's
2: like, nasty. Yeah,
1: suck my. <laughs> and cup. you're just like you're oh, like oh, good whoa. times, good feelings gone. To quote Finding Nemo, good feelings <laughs> gone.
0: Well, this is what I mean by the aspect of watching it this time. I forgot a lot of the shit that was happening in this movie. I didn't remember any of this. And I'm also coming at from the, doing my research for this and knowing that Bob Clark directed it. And I'm like, I'm thinking Christmas story. I'm thinking early seventies movie. So, you know, even though it's a horror movie, I'm expecting it to be a little neutered, you know? And then I turn this movie on and then this phone call happens and I was like, Whoa, I did not remember this.
1: Yeah, it really sets the tone for the movie of, like, yeah, we're not messing around here. Like, this guy is dangerous and really gross and just vile. And, yeah, you're... Oh,
2: why don't you go find a wall socket and stick your tongue in it? That'll give you a charge. I'll stick my tongue up your pretty pussy. You fucking creep!
1: Yeah, it it sets the tone right away of, like, oh, these girls are in trouble. This is not
2: good. Not only that, he does a good job of... uh... Of being like the little girl from the exorcist because he has like five voices yeah why he's talking yeah
1: he's all like, over the place it's like it's like videos of of like charles manson when he just gets kooky and goofy and says weird shit it, it, dude, it, it's, it's all kind of scary
2: yeah i mean you like you hear something that sounds like a little girl then you hear a guy's yeah. voice and then yeah i'm like dude uh You know, does Father Maris need to go visit this guy? We got some exorcism shit needs to go on.
0: The power of Christ compels you!
2: You can kind
1: of, over the course of the movie, and I didn't, uh, I'm not going to take credit for this, but, you know, kind of reading about this movie and how people are sort of interpreting it, the idea is that you have Billy, who he refers to himself as, right? Mm -hmm. Billy. And then he refers to Agnes, Right, And he's got this voice and he says certain things like you shouldn't have left him alone with her mm-hmm. things like that. It suggests perhaps that he's doing voices of his family, like his yeah. mother, his yeah. father, father and his sister, Agnes. And perhaps that he maybe killed Agnes, hurt Agnes in some way, um, you know, maybe kill because, you know, he's killing people. Mm-hmm. But he says at one point, you, you know, you shouldn't have left him alone with her, things like that. Talks about Agnes. Don't tell him what we did. Maybe suggesting that he and Agnes, his sister, perhaps did things that were you shouldn't do as a A little taboo brother and sister. And so, yeah, he's really you can tell this guy's really unhinged. Doesn't. And that's really
0: all that stuff you bring up is really kind of what I am gravitate gravitating towards, especially watching this the second time, mm -hmm. because I'm like. I love that they give us no real context to this. Like You talk about that, and that's just speculation people have from what he says. But we don't really know. We don't know what is going on with this guy.
2: Could that be one person? No, Claire, that's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doing their annual obscene phone call.
1: And you never know. You never learn. You never see his face completely. You never get his story. And that's part of what makes, let's face it, Michael Myers... You know, you do get his story to an extent, but part of what makes Michael Myers interesting is how mysterious and you don't totally understand right. what's driving him, what's you know, what that kind of stuff is.
0: And when we say like it would have been better if that wouldn't have been franchised, is that's what we mean. Like
1: Yeah, because they they yeah, they start digging into that and it ruins it. Yeah. Right? And I mean, they've
0: re- they've remade this movie, but never done the sequels and went, you know, explored all of that backstory and things of that nature. They've just simply remade the story and done different things with it. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen either remake of this movie.
2: Hey, shouldn't you get going? Don't you have lots of toys to deliver to good little boys and girls?
0: And there's a lot of talk about the new one that uh, stars Emujin Poots from Green Room. Careful now. Check her out in Green Room. She's excellent in that. You can go back and check out our episode that we did on that as well.
1: I'm a big Poots fan. I didn't oh. realize she was in it. That makes me want to watch this because I like her in pretty much everything.
0: Well, so a lot of people don't like that movie because it's it, it's got a super feminist message to it. And yeah, they, they change really, it up a little. They really change up the storyline and whatnot mm-hmm. from what I understand. So I've, I haven't watched it. Perhaps I'll give it a
1: shot. Well, there is some feminism in this movie. Oh, but big time. Right. Particularly time. the abortion thing. Yes. One thing that I didn't quite realize when and we're not quite there yet, but we we learn that Jess is pregnant and she wants to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. And we have a some tension between her and Peter over the course her boyfriend Peter over the course of this movie because she wants an abortion. He doesn't. Um, he wants to get married, whatever. But one thing I didn't quite realize, this is one thing that you you get when you watch these older movies and then you kind of do a little research into roe versus wade wasn't even passed till 73 that was you know the year they were filming this movie yeah like this was like a hot button issue and you've got yeah a character in this movie that's saying like i'm pregnant she's like i want my i want to follow my goals i don't want to get married you know there's nothing to discuss peter i think there is i'm not going to change
2: my mind
0: we'll see that was my note when all that stuff started to come up. In this was like, oh, it's seventy four, and we're tackling some big issues here.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know? with
0: the I main mean, characters
2: right up front. Yeah,
1: we talked about it in in Dirty Dancing as being like, wow, this is kind of an early movie to being to be like touching yeah. on this stuff like and this they're even masking like, masquer- like right.
0: masquerading around it in that movie in a sense like not really you know you know what they're talking about but you don't really they don't make it super right. clear and this one it's there's no bones about what's happening here and she stands her ground with that too yeah. that's one thing i really like about it is she is a strong female in the sense that she's like no I, I you know i this is my decision
1: you know right i i have goals in my life that i want to pursue and and you know settling down as a mother isn't one of them right now yeah. I'm not, I don't want to do that and
2: uh, it's, it's her body she has that choice I mean
1: just think of the climate of that in 74 and think about what we're going through now 40
0: 50 years later yeah
1: I, yeah so yeah and yeah of course we're it's it's an issue now but yeah it, it must have been kind of bold to take that stance in a movie back then yeah. I assume.
0: And again, this is all the stuff that's kind of shocking me watching Black Christmas, knowing that Bob Clark directed a Christmas story. Like, I got yeah. so hung up on that watching it this time. I was like, man, how did this movie come from such a wholesome guy?
1: <laughs> this movie is really well directed. Like, it looks good. You know, the camera work is good. The, yeah. the Some of the shots are great. Like, you know, coming off of our last Christmas movie, mm-hmm. Silent Night, Deadly Night which has really great things about it. This is a much better film. Like this, this is, this movie is operating on a much higher level. The direction is much better. The cinematography is much better. The performances are much better. I I think the story is more interesting.
0: And it was made 10 years before that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's just a lot more going on and it's just a better movie period.
0: And honestly Um, watching it the first time around, I, 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 wouldn't say i felt that way
1: no i didn't either that's what i'm saying like i i'm watching this time like wow this is way better than i remember wow this looks great like there's a lot of really interesting camera work like through uh windows there's a lot of like um you know different levels of depth going on that shots from like through slats in the um in the banister or through doorways or through windows. There's lots of like layered depths of shots where there's somebody down back there in between up close, or maybe we're up close in the POV and we've got stuff in between Mm -hmm. and we're looking, there's lots of really cool stuff going on. I mean, shit, the, I mean, we, we, we might as well get into it now Poor Claire.
0: This first kill that we get in this movie I, I love the way they set all of this up. And the fact that you've got him behind this sheet of plastic in a yes. closet, in a closet.
2: <laughs> in a closet, in a closet, in a closet. Why use a kill in a closet in a horror movie? Never iconic closets.
0: Never. But the fact, I mean, one thing I really love about that shot, when you peer into that closet is you can still see his face. Like, if you yes, look, they yes. don't try to masquerade it. He's you just not moving. There. He's just, He's right just there. not moving. And Ugh. that's why you can't see him. And it's that good. shit right there sent chills up my back. And yep. Claire's staring right at it.
2: She's like, is, is that? No, that's not. Yeah, somebody. she's like, who and is she,
1: that? Like, yeah. she's, oh, that's
2: not somebody. She thinks her eyes but, are playing tricks on her. And yeah. that's why she walks up and you get that POV kill. Yeah. Yep. I'm wrapping the plastic around and her And
1: seriously, the shots of her throughout the film, in that I rocking love that chair. they
2: go back to her
1: in the attic. He's you know, there, that ever chair. present, through yeah. the rest of the film, dude, just it's... with that bag, and it's just so disturbing. Her in that with in that chair with that
2: bag and the plastic sucked into her mouth, in and front of a fucking
0: window. Like no. if you would have looked in yep. the window,
2: you right would have seen in the her window. there. And yep. like all <laughs> that, it, dude. The shots with Billy, I guess is the name, is he sitting there rocking her and he's just talking. Like, yeah, hey, I mean, yep. You know, he's gives doing her his a voices. doll is, to hold. The cat comes upstairs. Uh, Was it Claude?
1: Claude is 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 (laughs) is 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 an accomplice to at least two of these murders. That's a
0: troublemaking pussy right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: That's a. (laughs) I love that cat. That's a big fluffy kitty.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Claude, Claude is gonna should go to jail as well. Right well, along since you're Billy. talking
2: about Claude, I want to talk
0: about the best fucking character in this movie. Miss Mac. Miss Mac. <laughs> Dude!
1: <laughs>
0: that woman loves her sherry. Oh, she's got a bottle of it stashed in every crevice of this fucking sorority house. Dude. Listen, man,
1: why is it in the, in the shitter hey, hey, hold on.
2: This is my thing. Alright, Miss Mac is an older lady. I think she did some time when she was younger, <laughs> and she was like, you know, the old toilet wine, you get it shipped to you, yeah. you hide it in the back of the toilet. And why like that? The water keeps it
0: cool. But yeah, when she yeah. lifts the top of that toilet off, like it looks like someone shitting that tank, dude. Like it's, it's like brown. yeah, somebody
1: did the old double upper decker in there, the upper decker, rather. <laughs> Uh, no, it's dirty. And you know, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, uh, yeah, it's called an upper decker when you shit in the tank. Anyway, have you, you've opened a door here. Have you done this? Have you? No, of course not. I'm a gentleman. I'm a gentleman, but I'm aware of the term upper decker. You shit in the tank. It's called an upper decker. Anyway, somebody, somebody probably Barb did an upper decker in in uh Mrs. What's her name's uh It was shitter, definitely
0: but... Barb. It was definitely oh, Barb Oh, definitely
1: Barb. <laughs> Barb Barb is shit Barb be
0: shitting. After she's given booze the kids. Yeah, Dude, she's getting yeah. kids
1: drunk. Yeah. There are some fun like college like hijinks in this that make me think of like, you know revenge of the nerds and like college movies it's it's sprinkled in here really small but yeah you've got her you know everyone's cussing in front of the kids you know everyone's cursing in front of the kids i just don't understand you have a christmas party everyone's drinking in this house already why does mrs mac have to hide booze in the toilet (laughs) She everyone there's alcohol everywhere. everywhere. People are smoking cigarettes. But she, but she's the there's house no mother. reason.
0: She's the house mother. I think she's supposed to be the good girl the good, in the house. Yeah, I guess, man. I don't but know. She she's doesn't definitely seem hanging like with these good. sorority girls. I mean, we
1: we learn, you know, as she is talking to Claire's dad, that she's she's pretty rough around the edges.
2: God damn it, Claude! You little prick.
1: As a father, I I can definitely relate to. Uh, Mr. What's his name? Harrison, Mr. Harrison coming in and being like, uh, this is not what I signed up for. Why does my daughter have all this like all these <laughs> naked hippies uh, having <laughs> on sex walls. on her wall and <laughs> old ladies giving middle fingers? What's going on here?
2: Well, the, the one thing I have a problem with this with this death is OK. This happens to poor Claire. She obviously gets drug up into the attic in a rocking chair. Uh, She was supposed to meet her dad the next day. All these people in the house, right? everybody's still at the house. She was supposed to go into town or go to go see her dad. It's one 30 the next day. We have moved on to the next day now. And nobody thought to just walk into Claire's room. Is, are she there? She's Hello? not in the room. She's No, She
1: left, but that's they go, oh, thing. Claire's not here. She must've gone home for yeah. Christmas. Well, either way, I mean, we're in a gigantic
0: fucking house and you're looking for someone who's potentially missing you check everything every single room in the house even the attic yeah. even the basement like yeah. you look for the person
1: well yes not checking the attic is obviously the big sin that everyone yeah. makes even That's- at the end of the film after you've already known that this guy was in the house the whole time uh, they w- still don't get to check. that when we get to the end i've got plenty of things to say about that <laughs> nobody checks the attic ever. ever but but i would say 1974 you're supposed to go down you're supposed to leave town and you're gone everyone's gonna assume you're gone in 74. like it's not like nowadays where everyone's got a cell phone like right you disappeared that's yeah she went home for Christmas I, I that doesn't bother me personally
0: yeah I was like the kids are fucking unruly in 1974
1: dude got blasted with a with a
0: snowball too just hitting people random people with snowballs got wrecked. No, I love when we cut to, I think it's Patrick is his name, uh, Claire's uh, boyfriend, and he's dressed up as Santa. And he's No, just...
1: no, that's
2: that's Phil's boyfriend. Claire's boyfriend was, I think, Chris. He's the hockey player. Yeah, he's Joe Namath. He shows up as Joe yeah, Namath. Joe Namath. <laughs> he's Joe Namath, man. <laughs> he's Joe
1: Namath. He needed a cigarette.
2: Dude, he got the hair... <laughs> Fur- he's Joe <laughs> Namath in
0: that scene. The rest of the movie is fucking Chewbacca and that big ass fur
2: well, coat. No, that's fur. what we're saying, Joe Namath. No, Joe
1: Namath, Josh, you wouldn't know this because you don't know shit about sports. Joe Namath famously wore a, a fur on the sidelines in yeah. a cold game.
2: He would wear a fur coat r- getting ready to go into the game. He just takes it off, probably smoking a cigarette, puts his helmet on, walks onto the field to go play football. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's get a picture of Joe Namath yeah, with we need a Joe fur Namath. Right here okay thank you
2: <laughs> and then put a picture of chris right next to it <laughs> isn't santa naughty Oh, oh, oh fuck. and it's just kids there like you said nobody cares about small children we're giving them alcohol we're teaching them all the great four-letter words merry fucking christmas yeah this guy with
1: the afro is pretty much worthless uh and he disappears after this <laughs> it's pointless we find out that Barb is just a lush because she's drinking throughout the
2: entire fucking movie. No, I've had a couple. I wrote that yep. here, right? Because we get the scene where it's having a little party. Mr. Harrison's there, and she's giving the kid the champagne, and then they finally get off their asses and say, let's go to the police department. And she's there. She turns around, pulls out road beers out, <laughs> out of her fucking purse <laughs> and starts drinking the, beer at, yeah. at the police. and gives stand. the...
1: And gives the- Tricks the cop with the fellatio gag about about the phone number so that they don't even have the phone number to their house, which is kind of shoots them in the fool a bit. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, talking about how this movie is better than, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night, or, you know, a little better than what we would expect it to be, or at least what I expect it to be. They do establish briefly in the beginning, Barb talks to her mom. Her mom tells her to just go on vacation. I mean, Barb's kind of a sad character because she you can see that you know, maybe why she's got some issues. Yeah. Also, she does she smoke cigarettes and, and have asthma. Is that right? Am I understanding this? Oh yeah. Frankly? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I can't imagine smoking and having asthma, but
0: I love that conversation when with with her and her mom on the phone in the beginning of the movie. She calls her mom, what does she call her? Uh, you're a real gold plated whore, mother. <laughs> it's- yeah, If I That's called my awesome. mom a gold-plated whore, I would not be talking to you guys right now. I would
2: have, I would be dead. Like, even <laughs> at 21 years old, my mom would have showed up to the fucking house 20 minutes later <laughs> with a shotgun. I'm going to show you gold-plated whore, you piece of shit. Barb is a character for sure. I mean, this whole thing is just, like you said, road beers. The Bart Simpson fellatio thing that she does to him. Like, when Bart would call, was it Moe's Tavern in there? Always do the little funny joke. That's what I thought of immediately when the cop started saying, "Yes, I mean, I, I." She gave me (laughs) fellatio. Oh, really?
0: It's hilarious that she fucks with that cop so much, though. Like that cop is a punching bag throughout
2: the entire film. Dude, he is the Barney, of Andy Griffith, of that police station. He is Barney,
1: Uh, but minus the heart of gold. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he's Barney, but also just an asshole.
2: But uh, we briefly, t- or t- well, we didn't briefly touch it. But we were talking about the whole abortion topic because this is about right here, yeah. And uh, with the whole thing with Peter and uh, Jess, but Peter here, he's uh, obviously wanting to be a, a musician, a pianist. Yep. And after everything goes on with that, and he comes back, and I mean, when he played the piano that night at his little recital for the, I guess, the professors or whatever, it was bad. I mean, you can tell he's hitting wrong notes. I even wrote down. This sounds so bad. It's the soundtrack for Silent Night Deadly Night. Are you sure? <laughs> it's when he's Peter. Playing.
1: Peter wrote the soundtrack for Silent, Silent Night, Night
2: Deadly, Deadly Night. Night, dude. It's that bad. I was like, whoo! But, uh, dude, when he does that piano later, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, me and Josh have spent many of thousands of dollars on. Guitars, bass, whatever stuff like that. But a fucking a piano, mashing it with a mic. I'm fairly certain Ooh. that it wasn't even his piano. That yeah, was might the, not have been. No, it's a school piano,
1: and it. It. it's like a grand piano too. It's
0: yeah, you're going to yeah, pay yeah. for it.
1: <laughs> oh, he's in trouble. He's not just quitting school; he's getting kicked out of school. <laughs>
0: yeah, I will say too. Um, this movie was '74, I believe. A New Hope was '77, uh, and then we didn't get Empire Strikes Back until 80. '80. And um Jess and Peter have the original "I love you, I know." I love you.
2: I know. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: Oh like, shit! Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Fuck yeah! George this movie Lucas is stolen. This movie is the nucleus of all film.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, did Christopher Stolen take anything from this movie? Probably. Can we, can we get some Christopher Stollen. Yeah, probably.
1: Follow? I'm sure he did. But I or really
2: will. like Maybe. how.
0: I really like how Jess holds her own with Peter. And, oh, like, yeah. I do too. Yeah. And she flat out tells him every step of the way, and we, even with the conversation when he's at the house later.
1: Let's get one thing straight.
2: You are not going to abort that baby.
1: Peter, you're not going to tell me what I can and cannot do.
2: Jess, if you try getting an abortion...
1: I think you better leave.
2: If you try getting an I abortion... I said
1: get out.
0: Even when he pulls the whole marriage thing, she's like... No. I don't want to marry
1: you. Like, Well, he literally says, I'm going to quit school and we're going to get married. Yeah. Like, he, he says it like it's a foregone conclusion that she'll be fine with that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, she's like, uh, no. And yeah, it's pretty awesome seeing a character, particularly in a horror movie, the final girl, yeah. basically, being, you know, although... Well, we'll where the girls that, are
0: usually portrayed as meek and like non confrontational. Exactly. And don't yeah. want to deal with the situation. But you know or, what?
1: Yeah. This is before that. All that meek shit. Yeah. I, that meek shit came after this. I mean, yeah. in many cases, not all, but this is a, a rare occasion of like a, a final girl, a main girl or whatever being pretty awesome, like all the way through.
2: Maybe uh, that's where uh, Ripley got a little bit of her attitude from. Yeah. Ripley Possible.
1: or, 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 uh, or fucking <laughs> Laurie Strode <laughs> uh, is what I'm saying. Like, our, yeah. You know, Laurie. Laurie Strode, you know, maybe has a little Jess in her. You yeah. Know what I I'm
2: mean, he, he definitely you see that Peter, he, he's a narcissistic asshole. I mean, that's the thing. Oh, did, yeah. That she's going to cave because, you know, I mean, we're guys, but, you know, not all of us are the same. You know, like, oh, we're going to, you're having a baby. We're going to get married and I'm going to be the father. I'm going to take care of it. No, that's her decision. Yeah. Yeah, not yours. Sorry, bro. You know, we're talking about Jess,
0: and we've talked about Barb a little bit. That's another thing this movie kind of does a little like, kind of maybe borrows from Psycho a little bit. Is like potentially you would think that this is Barb that we're supposed to follow through the beginning in this movie. Yes, you're. Bl- is blah. that?
1: I, well, hold on. I'm wondering. Yes, I see what you're saying because we start with her. Yeah. Uh, and and but do you think that that's maybe like a, uh a thing that's because we're looking back knowing Margot Kidder more than Olivia Hussey? Or do you think it's just from like a film perspective? Like we do start with Margot Kidder. That could potentially
0: be what it is. I mean, I do know Margot Kidder much more than I know the actress who portrayed Jess. Uh, even though, I mean, I, I believe she's popular for Romeo and Juliet. Uh, but I feel like the movie actually centers on, barb at first like you're you're introduced to her you go sure straight you to do phone call you get the her. call with
1: her mom and all like that they stuff. almost yeah. set
0: it up to where it's just you know, even if it wasn't Margot kidder i almost feel like i would be wanting to follow barb and then they shift yeah. it to jess yeah i,
2: I oh, yeah i can I,
1: see that there's some of that for sure
2: i think you think it's barb and then until you get the big peter and jess scene with the abortion thing and right. then they you sort and, of and as long as they stay on Barbara, that right? You kind yeah. of start going, oh, okay. Here's a fork in the road. Well, they
0: set, you know, they set Peter up as your as your red herring
2: here, exactly. as well. Exactly. You know, it's like, especially later when he comes to the house and he's probably has some drinks and he, like, he says, "We're gonna get married," and he's creeping around. Don't kill he's- the baby. <laughs> yeah, you see <laughs> yeah. him outside. So you're like, "Oh, we're totally laying this out for Peter to be the killer." Yeah. You know, just yeah. there. And what Billy
1: the- hears Peter and. Mimics some mimics, of the lines from their conversation.
2: Yeah, because we'll, at this point in time, we've had like three or four phone calls of yeah, him making yeah. the noises and stuff. We're talking about Barb's character in the kitchen and they're talking and Mr. Harrison's there and they're talking about Claire being missing. There's a certain species of turtle that can screw for three days without stopping.
0: The other thing that's great about that scene is her, I mean, she's she's drunk, number oh, one. Totally. She's going off on this tangent about this, this turtle sex.
2: You don't believe me, do you? Well, I mean, how could I make something like that? up? I'm lucky if I get three minutes.
0: But she's also openly just reading a porno mag right
1: there in front of Mr. Harrison. Like she (laughs) has, she gives no fucks, man. Like she is just like. I couldn't help but think like, did, did Barb get access to the internet before everyone else? Like. That seems like the, the turtle sex for three days things seems like a, an internet fact that you would find on it. The- no,
2: really. They did three days, 24 hours a day.
1: <laughs> guys, I, she's like got her her iPhone like gen
2: negative 20 and just like, oh, shit. You know, did you guys know that turtles... I love can- it when she says about the turtles. She says, no, I got bored. I, I said, no, I didn't sit there. I just went over watch the giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want- what the fuck? Yeah. But that's, but it's cool. But they're also throwing that whole thing out there, you know, like, you know, these girls are in college and, you know, the whole, you know, what's, you know, saying that, you know, girls are supposed to be this way. No, Barbasland. Land. Uh, no, I can, I can drink beer with the guys. I can look at fucking porno mags. I can talk about sex in front of anybody.
1: Well, and- it can, it, it makes you understand why they would lean into the feminism thing in the remake, which yeah. I haven't seen, but, you know, All these, uh, a lot of this stuff at the college is sort of men learning, right? You be it the cop, be it Mister Harrison, be it Peter, it's men learning or or discovering that these girls are becoming women and they're making choices as adults, and you know, yeah, Mister Harrison's learning about his daughter that's having maybe a sexual awakening, having more, you know, political. Yeah. you know some of the stuff in a room that he sees all these men are learning about these women and going oh these women you know they're adults they're they have goals they're not just things i can control you know right. what i'm saying exactly yeah yeah they, so like I said, they I, can, there's a lot of that in this movie which is pretty interesting
2: like i, I mean like I, that's what I was saying with uh Jess saying no to Peter the fact that Barb can drink with fucking Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she can handle her shit, dude. She probably scratches her <laughs> balls, too, before she goes to bed. You know, fucking Barb's a badass in this movie.
1: She is, yeah.
2: So I, I, I give kudos to Barb. So, well, let's talk about the cast.
1: Almost famous. I know that, dude. I don't know
2: them.
0: I know her. You? Haven't you ever heard of that guy? What was his name? That guy was in that movie that was out last year.
2: I'm sort of famous for being almost famous,
0: famous, almost famous. If you're new to the show, this is where we talk about the actors in the background of the movie that we've seen somewhere. We just don't quite know where. Um, more people in this than I thought that I would be able to choose from. Uh, Definitely. Number one, John Saxon, yes. the, ho- the police dude, officer. <laughs> that's
2: a given when I saw John Saxon, I'm like, dude, this, this man's like made movies with Bruce Lee.
0: Yeah, he was Enter in <laughs> the, the Dragon. We know him mostly from Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> Another series. Another slasher. Seen, yeah, I mean, I've seen that dude in tons of shit. Hell
1: yeah. And he has a presence, uh, presence. He has a screen presence when he comes on. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you're like, okay, finally, we've, we're in good hands. When he steps in as the detective or cop or whatever he Lieutenant is. Lieutenant Fuller. Yeah, yeah, you're just like. Okay, good. Like as a viewer, you're like finally they got through to somebody past this Nash douchebag.
2: Nash, I don't think you could pick your nose without written instructions. Well, he's well, he's obviously a good cop. He's a cop in Nightmare on Elm Street too. Yeah, <laughs> he plays a yeah. cop well. Bad zero. <laughs> but, was, but but uh, I was going to actually uh, put him down as mine. But the other part, because you know me and my werewolf friends, uh, he was also in a movie called My Mom's a Werewolf. Mm. <laughs> so that's one of the movies I remember him from. Uh, I mean Margot Kidder,
0: famous to us I don't know how famous she would have been at that Too particular famous point for this in time. segment
1: in my opinion.
0: But one person that I recognize I actually did have to look them up but Peter yes he portrayed Dave in 2001 a Space Odyssey. I'm sorry Dave. I'm afraid I can't
1: do that. What's the problem? I didn't even realize that till after I watched it and I was looking at IMDb and I was like, "Whoa! oh, of course, like it all clicked, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Also in the new Halo show. Never seen it. Oh, is he? Yeah, I did. I watched it and I don't even play the video game and I actually enjoyed the show.
1: (laughs) Well, shit. Uh, I have someone. Okay. I'll go with Andrea Martin, who played Phil. Um. Mm -hmm. She was or is, was, is in various things like most recently, only murders in the building. Uh. Um, but going back a little further, uh, my big fat Greek wedding, uh, wag the dog, TV, some TV stuff, yeah, 30 Rock, wag the dog, uh, Sesame Street, uh. You just just uh, scroll a little deeper into the older stuff, but yeah, she's a familiar face, certainly from television and film over the years. Uh, Ed crossing Jordan, uh, Jason's favorite show. Um, oh, watch it every week. primetime. Glick, <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Neutron. Uh, yeah. Various things on television. Hey, Jimmy Neutron like had that. a cool ride at universal studios. Jimmy Neutron is a good show. I used to watch that. Probably, <laughs> probably too young for you guys. She was in Batman, the animated series, uh, you know rest rest in peace uh kevin conroy oh I yeah that I can say that
2: give that up one of the best batman ever my man my batman hey i Thank love you very kevin much conroy. Yep. oh
1: hell yeah um yeah uh she was also in uh inner space
2: oh god somebody help me i'm possessed Well, me being
0: the Cronenberg fan that I am, I did Uh, happen to notice two Cronenberg alumni here.
2: You're going to go with the character of Bill, aren't you? Well, there's Bill uh, portrayed by uh, Les Carlson.
0: Les Carlson. He was the guy that was working for, uh, I can't remember the name of the company in Videodrome. He's the guy whose head fucking explodes at the end. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, then you've also got Bill, who um, is portrayed by, or no, You've got Chris, who's portrayed by Art Hendel. Mm-hmm. He was also
2: in The Brood. Ah, uh, yes.
0: He was the main character in The Brood.
2: Well, I didn't know that the Les Carlson guy, he was also in Christmas Story and The Fly.
1: Yeah, yeah. and The Fly. I'm just seeing that now as well.
2: Yeah, I had him down too. I, I had Saxon or him just because I, I like drum in The Fly. So, but I'm pretty
0: sure John Saxon would be the one. You'd be
1: like,
2: oh, I know that guy.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. That's the that, most like, identifiable <laughs> face that you don't maybe know the name to. That's right, a guy definitely. you definitely recognize immediately. I think
2: well, that I, I would say that's who we'd go for. I'm going for that. Saxon.
0: I mean, the younger crowd nowadays might say that about Margot Kidder. I mean, she hasn't been around in a whole lot of stuff. In- Fuck them.
2: <laughs> this is Damn. not a show for you, Gen Zers. <laughs> well, what we didn't know is when uh, Eric was a kid, he had a Margot Kidder poster on the wall. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm still mad you were saying she. I'm just saying when she wasn't R- unattractive.
2: <laughs> Eric's like Eric's
0: thoughts while Jason was saying all that shit about Margot Kidder is like this motherfucker <laughs> talking about Margot Kidder. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody talks about Lois Lane that
2: way.
1: I was too young when those movies came out to care about whether she was what she looked like. I was,
2: you know, I'm just I'm just saying Clark should have had a better looking lady. That's
0: all. I, I do remember when Meryl Hemingway was in Superman four, and I thought she was a lot more attractive than Lois. And yes. That
2: <laughs> y- yes. Like it, it's like there's a 30 year age difference because <laughs> Christopher Reeves still looks young and Margot Kidder is now like 70 uh it's just bad. Well, that's what
1: happens when you're Kryptonian, you know, you 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 yeah, age at a slower rate and it. and you know, those around you will age faster. Like The Highlander.
2: Yeah, there you go. That you you know. movie Josh thinks is horrible.
0: Check out my opinion on Highlander on the Not a Bomb podcast.
2: At this point in time, we'll be our second victim. Well, actually, there's a little girl who went missing in the park earlier too. Yeah. And we, we, we we
1: were able, we we had Chris came. We 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 got introduced to John Saxon's Lieutenant Fuller. We're starting to take things serious now. We're we've got a we've got a a, a search party out in the park.
2: 13-year-old girl missing. I think that's what they said. Yeah, we
1: we hear it from the mother at the at the police, police station station, which is bustling, right? We it's it's Christmas time. Police station's got a lot going on right now. You got this lady. Whose her daughter's missing? You've got this, you know, our Claire is missing. Uh, various other crazy things are happening, like a cop getting shot in the ass with birdshot and whatnot. <laughs> See, it's dude, I a love crazy... that old
2: man. He's very be glad I didn't shove the gun up his ass.
1: Sideways. That was an early Dick Cheney role of, uh, <laughs> anyway, a
0: young Ooh. Dick Cheney. Um, That was the one thing that, like, the the 13-year-old being murdered, I felt like it feels like a little tacked on, but it does serve the purpose to get everyone out of the house looking for the girl. That way you've got limited people in the sorority house. I can understand why it's there, although I still kind of feel like that part's tacked on. Um, I mean – from what we know, he doesn't kill thirteen-year-old girls. But I, I, I would, I, I guess we're to assume Billy is the one who killed this thirteen-year-old girl. That's on his
2: way to the house. Is what on I on his say. way home. Yeah, yeah. But other than that part, we get Miss Claire. She hears the cat. You mean Miss Mac? Miss Mac? Mix Mac? Yeah. I got an Eric. Sorry, we
1: already talked about Miss Mac, though.
2: No, no. We're no. We haven't got to the where she goes into the attic, and she gets huh? up there looking around. And she look now that's you know Eric said a good shots in this movie. That shot from back here where you see Miss Mac's face and him holding that fucking hook that yeah. should not be up in the attic. He's sitting there shaking, holding this thing like this thing weighs like a hundred pounds. And maybe he's not a very strong fella. Now And then that her turning and somebody finally sees Claire sitting in the rocking chair. Yep. And then the hook to the neck very, uh, I know what you did last summer <laughs> look to the neck. And we're
1: saying that none of the kills are on screen in this movie.
0: Originally, Bob Clark in the script said that they were a lot more graphic. He thought that it would be a lot more effective if they didn't show so much. He's doing all kinds of cool things for the first time. He's using cinema to encourage us to use our imagination. So the film is hardly has any blood in it there's no penetration shots of anyone getting stabbed but you feel like you've seen these things it's a lot like the texas chainsaw
1: massacre where people that have seen that movie believed it was this gore fest and it's really not they don't show it and it is still effective uh the aftermath of of the kills and not seeing the actual kill i think it works here i think
0: what makes miss max kill effective is
2: you're about to say it aren't you
1: when he lifts her
0: into that's the it. attic with yes. the hook, that because yeah. if you just saw the hook hit her and that was it, it would be kind of eh. But the fact that she gets
2: pulled up by that hook into the attic right. makes right. the kill. Her feet for me. just lift yeah, off her feet are ladder. dangling. And yeah. go, yep, and it shuts the door. Yeah, that's 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 graphic without being graphic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very graphic to me. I mean, like you said, what you don't see. You know, because nowadays we would see the hook go in through her neck and probably stick out of her mouth and get blood pouring out. You know, Robert Rodriguez, there'd be like 80 gallons of blood shooting everywhere (laughs) and uh, then pulling her up and it would probably rip her jawbone out. So
0: you know, yeah. blood, blood squibs everywhere. Squibs. I'm, I'm I'm actually not opposed to any of that. I like seeing that kind of oh, shit. Oh, I do but- too.
1: I'm just saying. Obviously, I think that goes without saying for <laughs> anyone who knows you guys. Yeah, I mean, we, want, <laughs> we we both
2: love Terrifier 1 and 2. So yeah, we love blood gore. But uh, yeah, it's, it, I think that, that kill is actually probably one of my favorite kills of this movie is just that because what you don't see and then her being jerked up into the attic by the hook
1: returning to Claire's body in this chair throughout the film I think is is so effective for just building dread of like it's like the longer she's there without being discovered yeah the more it builds you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. something about that uh is really effective
0: and you know it's the way they position her there, too. I mean, with the bag, you know, they could just simply have the bag over her head. But the fact that the bag is stuffed into her mouth yeah, and just all the way they set her up throughout the entire thing is what makes it that much more great for me. Like, they, they really thought about how this would look the most disturbing and what they could do to, to, to continue to show it to you to make you that much more uncomfortable.
1: Not a drop of blood anywhere. It yeah. is...
0: Yeah. We've gone back and forth between Jess and Peter throughout the movie. Peter has his piano recital and I'm sorry, Dave, that's not a very good piano recital. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do.
0: But he's thinking about all this shit. And of course, you know, he's being a man about this whole situation. Um, But this is where, you know, he comes to the house. He tells her that he's going to quit the conservatory. He's tired of living in a, in a room with or, or one room and having to stay in the shower to shower. And uh, yeah, I, I love this whole scene with he and Jess where she's just like, no, Peter, I don't
1: want to marry you.
0: It's, it's a great scene. It's a great character moment for Jess. It also like, she goes into the house, answers the phone and you see Peter coming down the stairs. They're right. leading us into thinking that Peter's just losing it and he's coming
2: after everybody. Well, do, he threatens her at the yeah. end. Jess, if you try getting an abortion...
1: I think you better leave.
2: If you try getting an I abortion... I get out. You're going to be
0: very sorry. Well, that's a nice red herring of Peter coming down the stairs, yeah. and you think
1: it could be Billy, and it, it turns out to be him. Yeah, they set up Peter big time for everything. For that, and, and, it, and it works. But you know what also I like is that the Peter-Jess conflict... Yes, Peter makes assumptions about what Jess will want, right? When he says, we'll get married. And he just assumes that she's into it or whatever.
2: Uh Oh, yes, Peter. That's what I've always wanted.
1: Yeah. But like, and while that does play into the feminist thing and gives her a chance to say what she wants and that kind of stuff. It also, you know, Peter isn't played as a complete piece of shit either. Like he loves her. Yeah. When he finds out that she's pregnant, he's excited. Yeah. Yeah it plays relatively realistically as far as, yeah, uh, much. you know, like he's not a monster, but he loves her. He wants to marry her and have kids with her. That's not exactly a terrible thing. It's just not what she wants, which, it, which we understand is her choice. Yeah. And I support her in her choice, but he but, does
0: come across very pushy in certain aspects. No, he of, does. Yeah, and yeah. you know,
1: he says like, Clearly, you can see earlier that like she tries to talk to him, and he's always focused on his piano business. He's saying, "Listen, honey, I'm going to give up this dream of mine so that we can have a family." Like he's, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but he's he's kind of saying like I'll give up my dream so that we can go have our family together. And some people would see that as noble. I understand right, and 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 he thinks it's noble. Yeah, right, but. (laughs) <laughs> but she doesn't want it. And when when she like tells him no, like I do kind of feel bad for him a little bit, like, oh shit. Yeah. Like you just blew your whole thing, threw away your th- your your dream or whatever. You want to quit and you're you're willing to quit everything for this woman, but she's not into you like that. Sorry, right. dude. And that What's... sucks. Like
2: You know how I feel about the baby.
1: Don't do this.
2: Just don't hurt the
1: baby. I guess what I'm saying is I like how realistic that conversation is. And and he's not played as a cartoon villain. You know, he's played as a guy who, yeah, maybe is making assumptions about what he's going to get from this woman, but he clearly loves her and he wants to be with her. And he's basically ready to kind of throw out everything for her. And she doesn't want that. And yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of, again, this movie is kind of surprising me. With its depth, yeah, for for just being you know quote a unquote horror quote, a slasher, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. There's there's some like real stuff happening in this movie. It's kind of oh. nice, you know.
2: The one thing I want to touch on uh, here is uh, not the serious stuff that Eric's talk about, but we t- uh, take for granted our technology today. Hell yeah! Because look at the shit they have to go through <laughs> to tap this phone. <laughs> to get the phone call to the point they have to install a phone at the police station. Yep. That will ring there so they can get third party call, I guess, so they can be on the line. But and then the guy, I've I've never seen a switchboard. I've I never know. Been, <gasps> I mean I had see a all of the little phone things flipping, and you're like, that's how it was. <laughs> Holy no, shit. Seriously,
1: like seriously, I have a note saying this stuff at the at the phone company is awesome. Just from like a person in 2020. What year is it? 2022. <laughs> 2022? Just as a person in 2022, like who grew up and you know, yes, I was born in 82, but couldn't have been that much different in 82. Yeah, looking at that building, the the interior of the phone company, the switchboards, all this stuff. Yeah. that's awesome to to watch now. I love it. I love I mean, all the scenes in there. It's loud. He's like running down these hallways trying to yeah. find the shit. It's crazy, dude. You know, we are kind of the last generation that that really has experienced both sides of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. We started with yeah, I had a rotary phone. Click click click. Four.
2: Four. 5. Oh, I messed up. Hang up. Got to do it again. 4. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly and, and it did. is like it was a very different lifestyle not just not having the internet whatever but yeah simply the fact that if somebody wasn't around you just waited till they got back like there was no finding that person if somebody went out for the day to go to the store yeah. they were gone you didn't worry about them yeah and yeah. that's when you watch a lot of these horror movies where people disappear all day and and our modern sensibility is, oh my God, they've been missing since yesterday. That's crazy, <laughs> but like, it wasn't that crazy. Like, if yeah. I went to my friend's house and my parents hadn't heard from me since yesterday, they wouldn't
2: worry. Yeah, no, they didn't. They're like, now oh, if there, I didn't come back
1: started. the next day, then maybe they would start to worry. But yeah, you, if somebody left, that was it. You just waited till they got back. That I mean, it really was a different perspective on yeah. on on so many things, and it's really fun. As I mentioned. I love watching these old movies to look at old technology, to look at old, cool. you know, shots of the city, particularly yeah. like live things like that, where you you're getting B-roll of the city that's just legitimately the have, city. Not have any- you
0: ever seen Blowout?
1: No, with no, the
0: it's a, a Brian De Palma movie with John Travolta, oh, and shit. he uh, actually records things for movies like sound effects and whatnot. A lot of old movie technology and stuff in that. Like it's a it's a it's a De Palma movie, so take that for what you will. But it has a lot of that old school technology that they used for movies and whatnot back then. It's part of the actual plot of the movie in a sense. And it's let's a put really, that on the list because yeah, I'd love to it's see it. It's a I really remember. cool like uh, mystery movie. So yeah, I mean,
1: inside this movie, I'm just super excited to see the inside of the phone company. From yeah, that, 1974. Dude, yeah. And I let's just see what's quiet. going on in this building. It's loud as fuck. There's endless. Hallways of these things and switchboards and he's running around. I love that. Stuff. And I can't yeah. even comprehend how they would
0: know where <laughs> no. to, like, no, to no, no. do this. I, I
2: think, think just, that's what they were the, looking for was that's why he had to flip and he had that. He has. I, know, I remember the phone guys always had that phone on them that, that yeah, they could right. plug in. Yeah, and that, yeah. That's what he was doing. He was walking around waiting for a trigger and that's when he plugs it in and he can hear. Yeah. Right.
1: And I assume these hallways would be bigger depending on how big the city is. So probably. In a oh, big yeah. city, you'd have just endless row, you know, like endless rows of this stuff. Small cities would be smaller. I don't know. It's it's definitely cool to to see that old technology. And and I do like that that whole they kind of explain it, how it works. We're gonna put this on here. He's with the phone company.
2: We're you gotta keep them on the line, the which we've heard that. How many times have we heard that in movies when they're tracing? You gotta keep them on the line.
1: This movie establishes so many tropes that are used.
0: Like cops that are just completely useless.
1: Well, how about the cop posted outside the house? Yeah, (laughs) that's Um, one. that Like, don't worry. We've got a guy posted. Don't look out the window. Don't worry. We've got a cop outside the house. Yeah, right. That dude's dead, bro. (laughs) That dude. We don't even see that dude alive, for God's sake. He is dead. You know, he's dead right off the bat. You know, you've got Barb upstairs passed out
0: and then takes her out with her little glass unicorn. That's a, that's a pretty, like it kind of comes out of nowhere too. It's just like, Oh, time for Barb to die. I you
1: know? love that. I, and how it mirrors with the, the carolers downstairs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you do get a shot of the killer. Yeah. of him holding that up above a her. great shot. He's yeah. easy,
1: like really wonderfully lit. Just the one, one eye, eye just like yeah. through the doorway later. Like we, like we only sh- ever see that
2: in the background yeah a shape well that's what i wanted to get to is the whole time
0: they're on the phone with the cops and the and all this stuff trying to figure out who's who and who's calling and all that stuff you can see the shadow moving around in the background
1: i love that behind phil
2: yeah oh dude i was gonna say did, did what was that me or was that actually a shadow of him moving around in the background
1: I, it's got to be him. Cause it doesn't match anyone in the scene. So right. it's, it, it's a shadow nonetheless. And it's, moving,
0: and it, it's moving too slowly, like in and out of frame to not be a person. Like it's,
1: it's that's what I was
2: thinking. It's right, right perfectly here. perfectly
1: ambiguous to the point where you are asking yourself as if you were like, wait a minute, is that, yeah. What's going on back and there? We've already like, is seen, that something
0: we've already seen the red herring with Peter? So you're like, okay, is this, is Peter back in the house? Ha- like what's going like it. And it, it goes nowhere. It's just that scene ends and that's that. The and
1: ambiguity in this movie is so effective. Yeah. Big time. Just like having a war removed. That's when you start yeah. going,
0: what? Yeah. Oh and God. then yeah. you actually get the call from Peter, who is just sobbing and trying to, to, to level with Jess. And this is kind of fucked up because, I mean... Number one, I mean, my first reaction when she goes, you listen to that call? Like, yeah, God damn it, you hired me, set this shit up so I could listen to these phone <laughs> yeah. calls. Yes, I listen to the phone. But in a sense, like, <laughs> once you figured out that it's not the guy who's been calling, like, hang up the phone. But anyway, he's a police detective. This is his job, or he's a lieutenant, whatever. He suspects Peter as well, so he... Yeah, you're right. But, yeah. you know, she's sitting there with Phil on the phone. While this is happening. So now she's got to explain to Phil what this whole yep. bit was about. Like it's very intrusive on Jess, which I also found like, kind of like, Oh man, this is, like, it is fun that she's
1: sort of, you've got some layers going on where she's talking to, to the cop and also Phil's there and she's having to kind of reveal something and she has to reveal it to Phil too at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, but I do
0: love that they never, you know, usually when something like that would happen in a horror movie, they'd be ashamed to admit that that's what's happening or like when they're talking to their friends and stuff like that would kind of be the trope that we have now and this, they don't play it that way. She's just like, yeah, this is what's happening and this is what I'm doing and yeah. I'm going to be and strong Phil is about supportive.
1: it. And
2: supportive. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I just want to mention the guys that show up, the, the guys from the, Search party that showed up. Oh, dude,
2: just walking around (laughs) town with guns.
1: Yeah, guy's got a shotgun. He's waving it around like a maniac. He's trying to tell them like, you guys should lock up. And he's just like, Halloween four. I was about to say
2: Halloween four. (laughs) I was waiting for somebody to get shot. Shit, Earl, it's Ted Hollister.
1: I've never seen Halloween 4. You guys, this is the second week in a row you've mentioned Halloween 4, and I've not seen it. <laughs> if you I can get past it. the mask, Halloween 4 is not that bad. This whole town is on edge now. Yep. They found a, a dead girl's body. They know that something's going on. You got the cops really on edge. A cop's been shot tonight already
2: in the ass. Yep. Right.
1: In the ass with birdshot <laughs> by Dick Cheney. And. <laughs> And, and, and these guys are just like walking down the street, knocking on doors with a shotgun in their hand. Like, how do you tell who's the good guy and the bad guy with the guns here? Like, like,
2: like Phil was looking at the window and you just see this random guy staring yeah. in yeah. the window with everything going on. Yeah. She and they're weirdly right to be pushy. Yeah. Know. That's what I was
0: about to get to is every time her and Phil try and shut the door on them, they just yeah. open it back up. Like, no, you should do this. No. Did you wipe your ass? No. Did you wash your hands? Did you vote for Trump?
1: they're mega guys yeah i but honestly like i think that again goes with the proud boys the the whole thing of 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 like men in this movie pushing themselves on women or you know like underestimating the women there's there's like an undertone of that in almost every scene of a of a man just sort of being just I don't know whatever.
0: Honestly, you at know. every turn of this movie,
2: it's yeah, kind of narcissistic showing... asshole.
0: It's kind of <laughs> showing the females as the strong people in the movie and the males as the dumb idiots. Yeah, yeah, kinda.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> like it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And and again, this also hurts them them because they realize they they haven't locked anything in the house. Yeah. So now they they go through and they lock the whole house, essentially locking themselves in with this killer mm-hmm. who's in the house with them. mm
2: mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: So yeah, so then so then Phil goes upstairs. She gets got, and I love that scene too. I
0: love that she sticks her head in the door, and then the door just closes, like it, it pulls her in. Yeah, it's door. just it's real fast, and it's it doesn't really show you anything. And then we get a re- the reveal later of what happened to her and Barb. Okay,
2: well the part this is the part of the movie when this is when our Mister Minnie Pearl is running around and he finds out that the calls are coming from the house. That's what this movie is, right? Yeah. In movie it's, history. Is this the movie that set that up? Like, I feel yeah. like... It is because later in 1979, there's a movie called When a Stranger Calls and they do the same exact thing. We've traced call. It's coming from inside the house. And, and you, you can't, can't go help go but think of Scream.
1: That, that too. Right? I mean, Scream is all I think of when that happens.
2: Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at.
1: When you realize the guy that's calling can see you. He's there. Like, that's Scream. Obviously, Scream must have, you know, been influenced by this movie. But the but- thing
2: about when a stranger calls in 195 five years later, I mean, a lot of times when you watch these top 50 horror movies, they always talk about that movie, too. But that movie is taking a shit ton from this movie. Just that alone is the, sure. is the whole premise of that movie, these phone sure, calls it's of the this the name guy. of the movie. <laughs> Bob here is like, is everybody going to steal my fucking movie? <laughs> at this point, <laughs> 1978, we had John Carpenter stealing some shots, a little bit of angle, maybe a little bit of story. But when the stranger bit. calls, it's like, I'm just going to take your whole premise of your whole damn movie and make a movie about a guy calling from inside the house.
1: It's not a reveal because we know the guy's been in the house the whole time, but it yeah. is it is kind of when things kick into gear here, right? That's, like that's the other the- thing that I think is great about this
0: fucking movie is we know from the moment it starts. He's in the house. He's in the fucking house.
1: Well, and- you know, it's funny. I th- think that works better on the second watch because I, I felt I feel like I felt frustration in a bad way the first watch because I knew what was going on and no one knew. Yeah, but in the second watch, I realized that no one's picking up on this, and now it's working for me. You know, like you talk about the second watch being yeah. more effective. Now it's working for me because I'm understanding how it's building tension and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the first time I was like,
2: "Are you serious?" Well, at this point, this is when uh, Lieutenant Fuller tells her, tells the one cop, tell call her, tell her to get out of the house, don't go upstairs, don't say anything. About there being a caller hat. Just tell her to go outside. Right. And she does the standard. At this point, Jess has been the strong woman and everything. And then she makes the standard horror movie girl mistake. Well, I want to go upstairs. There's a noise upstairs. Yep. yep. And, and I'm like, come on now. All but right. you
1: know what? The, her friends are up there. It's not she just her going. But oh, I'm I mean, curious. she yells
2: quite a few
1: times.
0: Answer me! Answer me! If they but didn't she, answer after the fourth I think four she four goes four. up
1: there. I mean, she's got the, the poker. I think she knows she's entering a dangerous area, but she's. She's worried about her friends. I, I think this is different than the stupid girl that goes into the attic or the it also basement plays into the strong female aspect
0: of where we've been with her is like, yeah. she's strong enough to where I don't care that I don't need to be in the house. I'm going to go check
1: on my friend. She knows she could leave the house right then. Yeah. She's worried about Phil
2: and Barb. Yep. But- but I still think the smart thing to do is to, if they said that the sure. cops will be there any minute now, yeah, just it walk is out the door and yeah. Sit but it we've seen how
0: smart the cops are in this movie, <laughs> and we're going to talk <laughs> about how smart they are at the end of this movie too. Oh my
2: God! <laughs> you know, but and you think the day is saved by Lieutenant Fuller getting involved because obviously the other cops have no clue, and then she decides to go upstairs with the fire poker. And before we get to that, Jason, whose tagline is it anyway?
0: Yay!
2: Yay! <laughs> whose tagline is it anyway? It's a game where the taglines are made up and the points don't matter. Yes, they do, because obviously you and Eric are getting really involved with these points because... Uh, who? I don't remember any points being counted. I don't recall anything about yeah. that. I keep points every week. It's a deep fake. Deep fake. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was a deep fake technology <laughs> last week. I okay. There. Are you guys ready? Ready. Ready. Have yourself... Dot dot dot, a scary little Christmas.
0: <laughs> Fake. That doesn't seem like it should go to this movie. Fake. I wrote it.
1: Yes. No,
2: we got it right, Josh. It's it's when not. When are you going to learn? It's not. I'm going to
1: elbow drop. <laughs> you guys are going to argue will.
2: about that every fucking week. So that's the best part of it, right there. The sort of Christmas you don't dream of. Fake. Uh, Real. Hollywood wrote it. That is garbage. (laughs) I told you. (laughs) I told you. (laughs) Now you got to think mine was pretty good. The last one was pretty good. Yours was better than that for sure. Okay. (laughs) He knows when you're sleeping, he knows if you're awake. Fake. He
1: knows.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go with Eric on this one.
0: Fake.
1: Hollywood wrote it. Oh, shit. Oh shit! He told us ahead of time that all the Hollywood ones were bad. We should have
2: <laughs> picked up on that. I'm going to blame that on you. Me? Yeah. T- Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house, a creature was stirring dot, dot, dot. No. Fake. Fake. I wrote it.
1: Billy was stirring.
2: <laughs> it's a good eggnog. That's a really good eggnog. <laughs> if this You pig cunt. <laughs> oh god. Josh. Where's the Tylenol? Josh should lose a point for that. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Uh... That is real.
0: That seems yeah. like another. That seems like another movie's tagline, but i'll
1: I'll say it's real. It's real. Hollywood wrote it, and it was real. I saw it. Oh man! I'm being honest. I can't pretend that I didn't
2: see it. Wait, I got to make sure the tagline's not on my shirt
0: tonight.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there will be no white Christmas this year. Fake. fake. It is fake. I wrote. And Josh edges out Eric by one point. What? Yep. Ugh, garbage. Josh wins again. Hey, Eric, you won flat. You won Silent Night, Deadly Night, I do believe. So
1: I think I did. It's a rarity. I'll take my win. But right hey, and get but
2: them. do you guys see the Hollywood ones? They're horrible. Yeah, that's some bad stuff, dude. Sure. I'm like, these are yeah. really bad. <laughs> yeah, that's so. no no bueno. But no I mean. Bueno. When I got to do these taglines, I mean, I look them up and there's, a, like I said, they have them for re-releases, but literally there were somewhere three to four sentences long for this wow. movie. And I'm like, why? Tell them to get that shit out of here. So, but there yeah, you go. Uh, taglines. I,
1: I, I saw on IMDb, the, the, the box art says, if this picture doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight, which does not seem like it would be one. For- that would sound like I, a
2: David Cronenberg movie. Yeah, I I would have
1: got... <laughs> Josh would have said that was fake if I shut my mouth for a little longer and, and let him stew on that. He yep. wasn't sure until yep, I, I was jumped gonna... on it so quickly. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> right, oh, you well. you guys to start yeah. putting
2: on your poker face there. Eric. Shot myself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pull that visor down a little tighter that poker face. I know.
0: All right, I want to talk about my favorite part of this movie, the end when she goes into the bedroom and finds Barb and Phil dead. Mm -hmm. Number one, another another very
2: Halloween sort of thing reveal. Set up in the bed. Where's the Where's the gravestone? That's all. Yeah. Where's the
0: gravestone that says Judith Myers on it? Mm -hmm. Uh, But when it cuts and you hear Billy talk and you see his eye through the crack in the door, that shit is. Fucking awesome, man.
2: It is like, good. It, it the, the good. first
0: time it hit me, I was like, whoa. And then when I watched it the second time, I was even expecting it and I was like, damn, that shit's awesome.
1: <laughs> it is great. It's visually great, like from a like a cinematography standpoint, like the way his eye is lit. Yeah. We also get that one eye lit earlier. Like, uh-huh. you know, you only ever see one eye of him. But when it when it, that just the way
0: they shoot that, where it's through the crack of the door. Yes. Oh, dude, it's it, It's like, like I may not have seen this movie as much as Halloween, but it's very reminiscent of that scene where his face fades into the light as he's behind Laurie. Like it. Definitely. It's that level of fucking iconic for me. It's also
1: time. extra creepy because he doesn't look like, like a scary, angry person. He looks almost scared, or like yeah. There's something maniacal about that eye, like he's just like wide-eyed like crazy like he doesn't look like he's with it you know what i mean he just looks completely unhinged yeah
2: like look in the Scared iris even the, even the iris and the pupil of the eye the way the light hits it it looks like i'm i'm not here it yeah.
1: looks like orangey red too it's not like he's got like a pr- pretty blue eye or something it's like he looks like kind of like Evil almost. The chase through the house where he like he there's that where she goes down the stairs and grabs her hair
0: and pulls her back, but Mm, yet they never give us a glimpse of this guy. That's all we
2: get throughout this entire movie is just these shot reveals of his eyes. Yeah, the one thing that I I did note Notating here, which is different than a lot of our slasher. He is very vocal. He is yelling and screaming yeah. and loud right. and chasing her. You don't get that. And most of the time, just Michael or Jason. Right. He's not just, some
1: emotionless killer. Yeah. He's. He's. Yeah. And he sounds. Yeah. Crazy and upset. He's yelling and, at her. Yeah. yeah.
0: And is yeah. you know, we've we talked about how this movie has set up a lot of these tropes we see in the horror movies that we love. Did this one also set up the trope of the boyfriend comes around as the killers in the house, much like Scream, <laughs> like Eric Absolutely. was talking about earlier? <laughs> yes, very much. The yeah. problem in Scream is they are actually the killers in that movie. <laughs>
2: Surprise, Sydney. Yeah, because, yeah, when she gets downstairs and locks herself in the basement, you just see legs walking around. But we did yeah. see earlier Peter was walking around the house. Still, like, it's it's enough of all of these arrows
0: pointing to him that it makes it like, yeah, of course, they're going to blame it on Peter. Like, how can you not?
2: Yeah, and of course, they're in the basement, and I mean, it cuts away to him walking to her, and all you see is cops pulling up, and you can hear her screaming in the basement. Yeah.
1: So did she kill Peter?
2: Yeah, she killed him with that freaking That's my bunker. understanding. I think she, she killed him, yeah.
1: She was so scared, she killed Peter. Billy never even made it to the basement. He just went and hid in the <laughs> attic. After that, the cops showed up. Billy's an an addict guy. Billy doesn't do the basement. (laughs) Billy's not a basement guy. He's
2: an addict guy. Okay. He's a top, not a bottom.
0: (laughs) 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 But here's, here's, I mean, we're not so good the bad and ugly yet, but here's my biggest fucking problem. Why the fuck didn't they take this girl to the hospital? like why did they right. leave her in the house
2: All right this is the thing. All right Mr. Harrison passes out after all this stuff going on because they pretty much figured his daughter is did with everything else But they, they don't have, know this. But, but they, they don't
1: know they, that. <laughs> they, they have, have not found searched her yet. the
0: house that oh. there was obviously a fucking killer in. Like again like they have not
2: searched the whole house.
1: They just assumed Peter was the guy and they don't need to look everywhere.
2: Yeah, right it's it's all done and yeah. then he, because he passes out you hey let guys just get him downstairs you know because he's an older man and you hear everything and she's laying in the bed she's traumatized maybe in shock yeah and where are the paramedics you know blood pressure let's take a look at her i know the one cop or the one paramedic guy said hey she's probably going to be out till tomorrow you're you're not going to be able to question her she that guy the doctor does say that and then but when mr harrison passed out they go and next thing you know there's no noise they're like where the fuck did everybody go? I yeah. feel like, and
1: and I'm going to give this movie credit or, or, or benefit of the doubt, let's say. But this scene is weird uh, and not something I feel like I've seen in a lot of movies. But there's a lot of people talking at once. There's a lot of people sort of reacting to what's going on. And it almost feels like. There's some miscommunication with the cops as to why she's left alone. Like it feels like, oh, no, this person's focused on Mr. Harrison. Oh, God, we got to get Mr. Harrison out of here. You wait here. Uh The coroner or the whatever are coming from the state police. They're showing up. Uh, We need to search the house. Let's wait till the state cops show up. Uh, They don't have enough people for the morgue from the hospital. There's not enough room. They're waiting for this person. There's a lot of people talking to each other in different directions and it almost feels like everyone thinks the other person's watching Jess and everyone just kind of leaves and it feels in a way like really affect almost realistic how somebody would overlook something like that like as everyone's talking and things are happening and they're oh Mr. Harrison I don't know it kind of
0: brings me back to like you really forgot your son when you went on vacation to Paris Come on
1: <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah. How? No, it is like that. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. sort of trying to deal with what they're doing, and and all of a sudden, like they, you realize, yeah, they've left this girl alone. Nobody's watching. Damn, Home Alone stole
2: stuff from this movie too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it did. Here's a question: We we get the pullout. We 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 the pullout shot. You see, um, you see Claire, and she's still upstairs. She's and no still one's up gone there up there because the cops aren't doing their fucking job. <laughs> right. It pulls out. We got a cop on the front step so that we do have some cops still there, but you, you hear the phone ring. Now, every phone ring has been following a murder Uh at this point. Do you think that the phone ringing means that Jess has been killed? He killed Jess and he makes a phone call. Is that what we're supposed to think? It's ambiguous, but I'm just
0: as much as I have a problem with how they end the movie in Jess's perspective. I love the way they end the movie. Like end in the movie. Like it, it, you don't know,
2: you, it, it you don't know. They well.
0: give you. They give you absolutely.
1: The phone is nothing. ringing as the credits roll. Like you know, this guy's still out yeah. there. He's making a phone call. I My assume- only Question
0: to that would be like, who's he making a phone call to? Like nobody else is in the house. He's an idiot. Well, he is not all there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's he just assumes someone else. I gotta let somebody I know
0: I killed you real quick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's right. not—he's not in his right mind, obviously. I but every kill he makes a phone call uh, after, right? Yeah. He ma- he kills somebody, then he makes a phone call. So I just—I wonder if he—if that's telling us or suggesting that he goes in there, he takes her out, and then that's he calls a number again, waiting for maybe the a, cop to come in.
0: It's a fair assessment, you know. and the phone rings throughout the entire credits.
1: Yeah, it's very unsettling, very creepy. That ambig ambiguity is. You just imagine being there you sort in your house, watching
2: this, and your phone starts ringing. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, like if, if it's kind
0: of like if you're watching the ring, and then the ring's over, and then your phone rings. Phone rings you're like,
2: Fuck. <laughs> man, John Carpenter, I, I love you, but this in <laughs> shot, I'm like, man, that uh, this is right out of this movie. The end shot of how. They, they zoom out of Jess. They take a shot of that room or something bad happened. The shot yeah. of that room or something happened. That's yep. how the end of Halloween goes. You get shots of the house on the way and you can hear Michael breathing through the mask. Yep. As the movie ends. And you hear Billy up there.
1: But see, Carpenter isn't chair. shy about that, right? He he no, says that he loves this movie. So I, I, he says that's where, you know, it's just like, uh, it's just like Tarantino saying where his influences come yeah. from. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, he's. he's well, another thing I,
0: I want to bring up in regards to how some of these shots are done, like, you know, that's Halloween's very well known for that one take shot throughout the house of the perspective with and because of the steadicam. You know, that was right when the steadicam was a big thing. Had the steadicam come out at this point?
1: Steadicam was invented in 1975. So oh, after this.
2: After this. Yeah. Maybe this guy helped invent the steady cam. Maybe <laughs> <He was> like because <laughs> of the rig he built to do these shots maybe led to the steady cam.
0: It's possible. But I find that interesting too. Like they they had to get creative with how they had to shoot this POV and like him moving around with the camera from that POV
1: perspective. Actually Josh, the Billy POV shot was done a couple of years before the steady cam was invented, so camera operator Albert jay dunk had to strap the camera to himself with a body
2: brace i had for for mounting the camera on my shoulder and i had a special harness uh, made up that uh, that uh, allowed me to have lots of flexibility with it it was it was actually made out of about one inch wide steel that was very thin that came down the front and had a pad that rested on my stomach and it was hinged at the shoulders so it would allow me to lift the camera which would be was mounted right about here. The lens was about there on my shoulder so that when I climbed the the trellis and everything I got both hands in. And also when I looked up at the top of the trellis, I was able to raise the front of the rig so that the camera lens itself would tilt up and be able
0: to look up. Well, let's get into the good, the bad and the ugly.
1: <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. What are you? What are you? I was waiting for Sorry it. I was googling what? steady
0: <laughs> Well I'll go ahead and get started with the good bad, and the ugly this week uh, My good Mrs. Mack I fucking love her These broads
2: The Leaning Tower of Peace If they can get up there I want, I want her through the whole
0: movie She's hilarious uh, And Barb I, I could listen to Barb's antics more throughout the movie But she's taken from us too soon
2: Fastest tongue in the west
0: but the imagery in this movie is ultimately like what I walk away loving the most in this. All that shit from for, for Billy's POV, the the shot of him through the plastic, the eyeball shots, all of that stuff. That's what's doing it for me in this, and and the pure ambiguity of the movie. I, I absolutely love that. Uh, the bad, I'm going with Peter just as a character is. I, I he's obviously the. Not the villain of the movie, but the person you're supposed to dislike. So therefore, he's my bad. And the ugly is stupid cops.
2: You know, for a public servant, I think your attitude really sucks.
0: (laughs) The cops do not do their job well in this movie.
2: And that's it for me. I'll go second. I'll let Eric go last because he's always got some good stuff. So Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the the lighting of some of these shots. The the overall camera work in this movie is great. It does Uh, look great. Like I said, I I know Carpenter talks about this movie, but I think this led to Halloween being the movie it is. I mean, Mm. he definitely took something that was done here, and I mean, this movie's good. Halloween is still better to me, but uh, I don't think Halloween might not have been what it was without this movie being made four years prior. Totally. I like that it ends on a bad note. The killer's not dead. You don't know what the fuck happens, And, and like Josh has said, that's what happens to a lot of horror movies that get ruined by turning them into a huge series of movies is that mm-hmm. you get too, ex- too much explanation yep. of why he was. It was better to let him just be a kid who killed his parents. And that's kind of what the, how this movie works. It's just Billy killing people. We don't know why.
0: I'll even say on this watch or for the watches for the podcast, like I did not remember that you never get a reveal of who Billy is. I didn't remember that it was left amb- ambiguous like that. Mm-hmm. So watching it this time
2: for the show, I was like, holy shit, they were ballsy and didn't give us anything about this. Yeah. No, and that's what yeah. I liked about it. Uh, I liked the social commentary of the time with the abortion issue. Roe versus Wade right here just happening, and they're making it an up and front part of the story between Jess and Peter. Yeah. That's ballsy as fuck for Hollywood yeah. to do because sure. they didn't really do that with these kind of movies. And of course, I love the humor of Barb and Miss Mac, like Josh said. The, uh, they made the movie fun in aspects of the movie. My bad. Sometimes it feels like it drags just a little. Maybe a, a couple of little long scenes that could have been cut yeah. down. Maybe some cop scenes. Yeah. I just call that uh,
0: the older movie syndrome. Like it seems like yeah. older movies move a little slower than what we're used to now. You know. Yeah. Yep.
2: Uh But that's really about the bad. My ugly. Josh said. It, I just called them the Keystone Cops. <laughs> 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 it's just they're bad. Like these cops have no fucking clue. I mean, we have faith in Lieutenant Fuller, uh, John Saxon's character, but then he just fucking like, yeah whatever, I'm just leaving. Yeah. You know, I mean this also- Paul,
1: he put his eggs in one basket.
2: Yeah, he was just like, Oh, Peter, oh, that's I had a bad feeling about that guy the first time I met him, you know. Yep, and yep. that's oh, he's dead. Yep, he's the killer. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So yeah, that's the ugly part of it so all right go ahead eric finish it up buddy oh.
1: all right well my good is uh uh like you guys said we never see the killer uh that's what leaves this movie elevated to me is that you know if we just got some big explanation at the end like scooby-doo that oh it was so-and-so and they did this and...
0: as if as if we'd end the movie like that yeah
1: let's do the scooby-doo ending good call
0: I mean, you can make the argument that's what ruins psycho is all the exposition they have to give us at the end on why Norman did what he did.
1: You know, you could like, say that. Uh, and then also, I just love Claire dead in the rocking chair and how that is looming over everyone's heads literally the whole time. Yep, even to the last shot of the film. That image is creepy. Uh, it's unsettling and no one finds it. And the fact that no one finds it is just so creepy. And the, you know, the, the, yeah. those end credits with the phone ringing and pulling out from that window, and you can see, you know, the camera is clearly across the street. You can still see Claire mm-hmm. in the window. You know, anyone who just bothers to look up there will see her. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like nobody and, sees it. And, and Miss Max up there too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, it's what about so... Claude
2: the cat? Does anybody Claude, care about the Where is Claude?
1: Cat? <laughs> he needs to eat. It's been two days probably since anyone's fed him.
0: He's eating anyway. on Claire and Mrs. Mac at this oh, point. chewing on, on Miss Max's cheeks, you know,
1: because oh. she's got all that
2: sherry in her. She's <laughs> mm.
1: Claude is drunk off Miss Mac's yeah. blood. Miss Mac is pickled. Uh, she's gonna yeah. last a while. <laughs> all right. Well, um, and then bad is Nash the cop. Doesn't take anyone seriously. Doesn't do his job right. He's an idiot. Um, even when, you know, our lieutenant asks him, like, don't fuck this up. Get her out of the house. He still screws it up. He still tells her yep. you know, that he's in the house. He 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 blows it immediately. There is no re- redemption moment for Nash. He is just
2: no. a piece of shit the whole time. <laughs> I hope he's a uh, cop outside that goes in and answers the phone. <laughs> there you
1: go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then ugly is Chris's fur coat. It's big. It's stupid. He looks like he's a fur hunter from the fucking turn of the century. This guy <laughs> needs to. This guy needs to go shopping. Get himself. a oh. uh, hope he doesn't proper get f- coat.
2: He's gonna get attacked by a bear in the wilderness and be left for <laughs> yeah. dead like Leo. <laughs>
1: yeah, he looks ridiculous. Uh, I'm glad that that trend uh, went to the wayside. So, right. it, well, it went
2: away with Joe Namath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's
0: our discussion about Black Christmas. I'm really glad we decided to talk about this movie because I haven't seen it very much. And obviously, we really yeah. enjoyed watching it this time around. I'll be completely honest. I thought Jason wasn't going to like this movie. I thought he was going to come on giving us some some bad reviews of this movie. But You
2: thought I was going to do that because of all the shit that John Carpenter took from this movie. You thought yeah. I was going to be like, I respect oh, no, no, fact- no, no.
0: I respect the fact that you were able to identify that Halloween definitely took a bunch of shit from this movie.
2: (laughs) Well, a lot of horror movies did not just Halloween. Like we said, one of stranger calls and on from there. I'm sure that you've already heard how it inspired Halloween and all that kind of stuff. But I think more than that, I think it was one of those movies that kind of set the template for virtually everything slasher-wise that came after it. I wouldn't say it was the where slashers really started, but it it, it was kind of one of the first films that really pulled together a lot of things that were happening in horror film at the time, and kind of really set the mold for where slasher was. Slasher films were kind of gonna, going to go in the next 20 years. I didn't think it would ever see the light of day. This movie has always showed up in your top countdowns of horror movies, and I've really never just sat down to watch it. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I bet you I've seen bits and pieces and bits and pieces of the remakes. I've just never really put two and two together. Like, holy shit, so. Well, let yeah. us know in
0: the comments below what you think of Black Christmas. Do you like it? Do you like the remix? Do you like, you know, should we t- you know, be watching the remakes and give them a shot at some point on the show? Let us know in the comments below. Make sure you check out the Redbubble store so you can get you some VHS Files merch. Uh, also, we want to let you know for Christmas, since it's Christmas time, a great gift might be to get your loved ones uh, a nice little t-shirt or something with some of these movies we talk about. We want you to visit our friends at cavitycolors.com. Uh, go over and hit the link in our description box below at cavitycolors.com slash VHS files podcast. Use the code VHS files podcast to get 10% off your entire order over at cavity colors. And uh, they have got some awesome merch over there. They, t- they have merch about some of the movies we've talked about on this podcast, movies we're going to talk about in the future on this podcast so we've partnered up with them and they're offering 10 percent off on on your entire order for all of our listeners so head over to cavitycolors.com,
1: check out their merch and get you some stuff i love cavity colors i like their
2: artwork i love the the stuff all the art's great
1: i want to get some now that it's getting cold i want to get some uh some of those jogger pants yeah i'm not sure (laughs) what movie They've but got i got to get some sweatpants from that they got some place. Evil Dead some 2 uh, jogger pants, man. Yep, Those are yeah. right up your alley, man. I do. I do love the <laughs> Evil Dead 2 pants. Those are good. But
0: uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for watching, listening, subscribing, hitting that bell. Uh, we appreciate everybody that's been checking us out. We're almost at 100 subscribers on our channel. It might not seem big to some of you out there, but that's a huge number for us. Thank you so much for checking out the show. If you're new here... Thanks for checking it out. If you're old, thanks for coming back. We'll be back next week to talk about our top four gifts given in movies since it's Christmas time and we're in the you know giving <laughs> sort of uh, frame of mind. We talk about you know what what we think some good gifts in movies are. So we're going to come back with our top four gifts next week for everybody. Until then, be kind. Rewind. Rewind. It's <laughs> over. It's over. Get the fuck out. Pig cunt. <laughs> Pig cunt. <laughs>
2: Dude, I mean, just think about it. I mean, even in uh, my lifetime, I mean, I was born in '77. Dude, uh, I uh, I remember growing up rotary phones. There yep. was that yep. I didn't even have a push button phone until I was ten or more. I,
1: dude, I didn't either.
2: Touch tone where you can star sixty nine, <laughs> and you know, you're like stuff like that. But. uh yeah. Yeah, kids,
0: it might be hard to believe that when people used to call us, we had no idea who the fuck was calling us.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you didn't have caller ID. I remember when caller ID came out, you're like, whoa. I can see who's calling me. This movie would never work now.